Hey everyone and welcome to episode 5. This is very exciting. We have finally launched the podcast which has been really fun and thank you so much to everybody who has listened, who's written reviews, who has subscribed and all of you who've given us feedback. It is wonderful and it means the world to us. Uh, This week we uh, took a dive into CX comms and um, UX writing part two. So I do hope you'll enjoy the episode and um, there is a cheeky little discount code at the end um, for One Tiny Tribe if you stick around to the end or if you read the show notes. All right, enjoy. So what have you been up to this week? (laughs) Well, I don't know if you know this, but we launched a podcast. I haven't been up to much, the kids sleeping through, so I feel like a little bit more by myself, um, by myself. I'm feeling more myself. Um, <laughs> I also had a couple Classic. of glasses of wine because she's sleeping, um, <laughs> so I'm feeling good. Um, just continuing doing this project that I'm working on and um, I'm doing some user interviews and like testing this week. Um, it's not like a full testing, it's just... Yeah, it's card sorting exercise stuff. So just getting um an indication because I'm working on a help center article. So just getting an indication on how they would group the content for that. Um, yeah. Sorry. So for people who don't know what card sorting is, mm-hmm. what is it? it? Is, yeah. What is it like? <laughs> because you know, you say card sorting, and like the first thing that comes into my head is like spades. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> like playing solitaire like casino like how they show their hands to the table and stuff <laughs> I know I can't think, I still think of it as that um so we're doing it remotely so using um like a program online uh because I'm remote and also because the team's remote first um so what it is we've got existing content that we're using and we're using the titles of that um and just placing it into this program and then the, you know, customers or whoever is doing it on the other end, sort them into, we're doing an open sort. So they sort them into groupings of similarities and then we're giving them the opportunity to name the groups. So it gives us an indication on um, where people's heads are at when they're searching for content. Um, So we can make it, uh, easily accessible and findable on the website. That's Long really cool. So, <laughs> so like, so to organize that, you have to pull together a group of customers and be like, Hey, we're doing this thing to kind of explain to them what their role is and what they have to do or, yeah, or do you, yeah. yeah, yeah, you can do it um, internally first and okay. Then- um, do it external as well to see if their beliefs match up. Um, okay, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. So what I've done is I've done it how I think it would go, but as we know, assumptions make an ass of you and me <laughs> from school, assume, I mean. Um, and then, yeah, internal teams because, um, you know, sometimes you get the luxury of having a support team who deal with, their, you know, they're on the front line with the customers every day. Um, yeah, they have a much better understanding and yeah. And hopefully if you're lucky, you have a, um, 
group of customers that you can reach out to. Sometimes you need an incentive, but we all know $100 cold yeah. line voucher. Always <laughs> does the trick. <laughs> or like $200 red balloon. Yeah. <laughs> Flight center. I remember having to go buy a few of them in my day. Oh, yeah, too. Oh, lights. Yes, that's right. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, that is awesome. And I am guessing the support team is like, oh, this is fantastic because we can kind of finally do what the customer needs rather than be guessing and sometimes Mm -hmm. doing a couple of different things. Okay. And it reduces like pushback for them as well. They're not constantly replying to emails or um, you know, on the phone answering these questions that could quite easily be self-served, um, yep. I think. But, yeah, it's, like, it's really cool. So I'm getting to do a video to welcome and kind of give some instructions around the card sort because a lot of people wouldn't have done it before, which is new for me as well. Um, yeah. So kind of running it, I'm not usually in that position. I kind of just sit to the side. So, yeah good learning curve I think we touched on that last time so I'm probably repeating myself but clearly I'm excited I really like this project yeah no that's awesome mm. but it's also like what a yeah what a great um what a great experience for you and just yeah. what a great experience for the customer <laughs> yeah and hopefully for the company too um I do know what I was thinking today this <laughs> these podcasts are kind of like it's like a weekly mentoring session for me. <laughs> I get to just rack your brains. <laughs> what do you mean? No. <laughs> this is, yeah. No, this is good. I've got my wine tonight too. I found, well, I didn't have any wine in the house and then you were like Instagramming wine and I was like, oh, I'm going to feel like this is – so fake news like someone one of us is drinking wine one of us is not but then I found Moscato in the fridge how old is it like old but it still tastes okay so if like halfway through this episode you just hear like boom, and I'm gone you know where I am my husband was like messaged me when I was doing the shower and stuff with Matilda and um he's like oh I'm stopping at the bottle and I was like get me a pinot (laughs) what have you been up to this week I um well see this is the thing with projects right they kind of it's not really like one week thing so I am again going to mention um the Sisters Gout studio event coming up because that is two days away I wonder two nights. by the time this is published, if it'll be done and dusted. Ooh, into the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a word for that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's been really mostly just preparing for that and running um, some innocent Pete, like innocent people mm. from my family, like my children and my husband and our housemate through like the presentation and just oh, making yeah. sure, just making sure it's not, you know, that it's, that it's engaging and interesting and maybe even a little bit fun, which is not really a word <laughs> here in superannuation. <laughs> but that's why it's disruptive, right? Yeah. Oh, look, I probably wouldn't go so far as fun, but 
I've, I've, I have heard feedback such as, oh, that was really interesting. So I'll go with that. I'm, oh, I'm, I am happy with that. <laughs> oh, I'm so jealous. I'm not there. We might, we might be filming. We might film Ooh. just, well, I don't, I'm not sure if, um, if Stacey's up for it, we might film her part too, but um, we might film the super part. So happy to send it to you. <laughs> It'll be like I'm there. <laughs> yes, exactly. But there will be mulled wine there. So yeah, <laughs> I'm a- more excited about that than the actual presentation. It sounds like a really like fun, classy event, but also like yeah. aimed at a very like specific um, audience, which is perfect. Yes. Yes, exactly. So we want people with, who like mulled wine. <laughs> <laughs> Aimed specifically at people who like wine. Yeah. <laughs> and a platter, a good yeah. platter. I mean, which um, pretty much is 100% of the population. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, yeah, that, that's been a, like a big thing on the to-dos and then some user testing. So I did, um, I did a run through today with, um, with somebody who I thought was an old friend of both of ours, but I think. No, just through the grapevine. Just through the grapevine, you know, um, my friend at up, um, but she came in and, oh gosh, you know, when you have those, you know, when you have those user testing sessions where all the emotion comes out and you're like, oh, this is what I need. Cause you know how sometimes, sometimes with user testing, people can feel a bit, and I mean, that's sort of running a test is a skill in and of itself, but you know, people can feel a bit like they're, they are being tested. So they're kind of reserved, mm. but mm. Um, I guess because it has been part of things with me in the past, like we've done user tests and stuff, like she knows exactly what, what I need to know kind of thing. So Oh, it was just awesome. It was just awesome to get like all the insights and the feelings and the emotions through all the steps and stuff. So it was really good. It was just, it was a great session. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Did she come to your office? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that was really, yeah, that was really cool. Uh, I'm a, on a, a bit of a high after that. That's what, not to say that like there wasn't things that we need to fix, but it's, you know, just to say that like, oh man, it's a basis now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, but the good thing was that it was a relatively smooth run. So and that's generally what we're getting from the user testing, which is, you know, like this, we we're about to release, I think, I think we're about two or three weeks away and it's minimal viable product. <laughs> and yeah. there's a lot in it because you kind of couldn't, it's super. So there, you know, it's, it's finances. There are things that you couldn't release without other things sort of being attached. So mm. it's a real like chunky minimum viable product. So people can start switching over their accounts from they, three weeks away? From when we launch. Yeah. Yes. yes. Cool. Make sure you yes. let me know. I will. <laughs> it is very exciting. I, I, I'm excited. The guys are excited. I mean, they've been working on it for like two years. I've been wow. working on it for 18 months and yeah, it's, yeah, it's exciting. It's cool. Yeah. That is really cool. I love how, um, people, if they're like, if we ever get long-term listeners, they can kind of see the progress of yeah. projects like this. It's really cool. 
that is true. Yeah, that is true. That's cool. And, mm. and kind of being part of that journey mm. and seeing it come to, yeah, that is actually, I did not think about that. That is awesome. I, yeah, I like it. Um, so all this chat about like user testing and interviews and help center articles <laughs> and that kind of thing kind of leads yes. us into this week's topic, which is CX comms. Um, do you want to do a run out, rundown of what that is? Cause you've been doing it a lot longer than, well, not a lot, you're not that old, but a longer than <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah. So, well, basically I think CX comms is, I think at this point, even, um, even sort of narrower, as a topic than UX (laughs) comms and like UX writing, like that's getting a a bit more traction and a bit more um, what's it called recognition, I guess, Um, you know, for lack of a better phrase. Um, Whereas CX comms is, I mean, I have, have you seen any, look, I have not actually seen CX communication advertised as a job anywhere or, sort of seen anybody who is particularly, you know, like I've seen people who are in charge of CX and that sort of thing, mm. but not necessarily anybody who really specializes in the customer experience communication part of things. So if anybody else out there is listening to this and is like, no, no, I know these people, like they've been doing it. I, I would love to know about it. I'm sure they're doing an amazing job. Um, but look in a nutshell it's basically looking after the way that the the way that the business communicates with the customer at every touch point yeah so i think we've talked about in the past like ux comms tends to sit within the product team tends to be quite digital yeah and it's it's user experience yeah yeah um whereas you know, customer experience is it, it is broader than that sort of user experience. So, call centers and um, yeah, brand and even like down to like how your pricing is communicated. All of that mm-hmm. sort of under the umbrella of customer experience communication. Yeah, and I think that's where I get caught up so many times because you know the workplace where we met, it was very much CX comms role because you know, sitting in the marketing department, but also doing all of the product writing from, you know, the app through to blogs and uh, social media and uh, call center scripting and everything like that. It's so much broader than just the um, digital product. Like it's all the supporting material for that digital product, which is, you know, the product or service, whatever that the company is known for. yeah, and I guess I'd been looking for that kind of encompassing word to explain what I did because it was so broad. And, you know, I've kind of marketed myself as a UX writer, but in all fairness, what I do is so much, um, it feels so much more than that because it's everything that goes along with that product, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think that especially when you because like you, like I started off doing the product stuff. Well, mm. did the brand language stuff, yeah, but like the marketing stuff probably came first. 
yeah, came first, but it, but but at the end of the day, the the marketing stuff sort of is a bit sporadic. Like you did a project, and then but mo, but you know the product stuff was a constant, a constant thing. So, mm. um, so I think that in, I mean, my experience, my experience has been that starting off in the UX writing part, and when when you're sort of the only person running that show you kind of end up going well okay so I'm taking care of the comms within the product but then you know a customer calls the call center and they're telling them something completely different like I can't I need those things to be aligned I need I I need that thing to be so you can't yeah so you end up sort of having to own all of that communication Mm -hmm. because otherwise it sits in silos and it it's disjointed. Yeah. And there's a lot of talk in, I'm not sure if you're a part of a lot of copywriting, you know, Facebook groups and communities and that kind of thing. But um, from what I've seen, tone of voice and brand messaging guides have really, you know, got a lot of publicity, if you want to call it that, lately. Oh, have they? Yeah. And, and I was thinking like, you know, I've been doing these for like six or seven years but we called them comms guides and it was that, you know, consistency across the brand, across customer support, across like things like PowerPoints, you know, back when people did PowerPoint presentations um, and emails and, you know, customer, um, yeah, all the customer interactions, touch points, it was all consistent and aligned. And I think that was the very start of it for me was coming up with that and being like, Hey, this is, a job <laughs> that nobody else cares about but me. Um, yes. Someone's really got to own that, whether it's a department or whether it's one person, if you're in a startup, like, like yeah, I mean, that's your part of your role as well. Yeah. And so, so often, so often, like if you search the internet and you search brand style guide, mm. it, it's usually visual. Oh yeah. Like 80% of the 80% of the time it's just and that's being generous, right? It's yeah. it's just visual and it's like it's your brand. How is there no communication as part of your brand style guide? But you're right. Often it it it's like a an afterthought or there's just not anybody in the business that sort of owns the communication and mm-hmm. honestly it blows my mind. Like we've talked about it in the past. It blows my mind because that's how, like, yes, visual identity is how a customer recognizes you, but also how you talk to the customer. Like it's equally, equally um, prominent in that, in that relationship with the customer. So, yeah. how, so how is that communication not prioritized? Like it, it actually blows my mind. <laughs> I loved, um, I know we've touched on it, in our first ever episode when I came on board to work with you in the place that we used to work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That shall not be named. No. Um, When I got the job and then I went away for a couple of months overseas, but you gave me this pack to take with me and I still remember it clearly. And I think I even still have a copy of it, but the comms guide. And it was just this like, I was like, oh my God, thank God someone <laughs> has done this. And it, it was made it so much easier for me to step into the role 
having that to refer to. And it was just done so well. And um, I still think of it. And that was, you know, five years ago almost. Four years, four years ago? Yeah. Um, it was more, yeah, it was five years ago. Yeah, four or five years ago. And it's, yeah, because I was always the one creating that because no one has them. And it's, yeah, it blows my mind too. <laughs> Long story. <Yeah. laughs> No, no, but I, I, one of the, um, like recently I spoke to John Asperian, so he's writing a book. Oh, really? So for people who don't know who he is, he's, um, a guy big from the, <laughs> really big on LinkedIn. Um, he's in the UK. He is the loveliest, mm. kindest, um, person and he uh, markets himself as a relentlessly helpful copyright, technical copywriter. Yeah. Yes, I love that line. Oh, me too. And he lives and breathes that brand. He is he is legitimately relentlessly helpful. <laughs> is he just a kind person? I love that. Yes. Yeah, he is. He is. And um and he like he puts out so much free content that mm-hmm. is actually absolute gold. Um but basically he's writing a book and it's called Content DNA and it's it's all about you know, brand and content and that sort of thing. And um, he interviewed me for his book. And one of the things that we oh, talked really? about, yeah, which is really, I was oh. like, I was so honoured. I was like, me? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. Congrats. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a big, I, I don't know, for me, it's, you know, when you like, when there's someone that you think is absolutely amazing, then they're like, hey, I want you to be part of this. And you're like, Oh my God. Yes. Um, Yeah. When you asked me to be part of the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Anyway, he, like we talked about that exactly, like about putting together style guides so that um, when you bring people on, because eventually you're going to bring people on and you you don't need one when it's one person, right? No, but actually I like to refer to them even if I am the only person referring to it, but I like to remind myself. That's true. So maybe it's always That's true. I mean, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to like how, how much resources and time do you have yeah. to like put it together? And if you're on your own, you probably like, if you're the, the sole person looking after communication, you're like you probably, yeah. But then as soon as somebody else is meant to come on board, I mean, I look, I don't know a different way. I don't know a different way to get people to come on board other than having that for them because mm-hmm. how could, how can I expect you to just know everything that's you know, in your brain? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just yeah. and also to consistently stick to something like it's going to take me much longer or much you know I'm going to spend a lot longer trying to teach you that than be like okay here's this thing we stick to this sort of guide and if you're not sure you like you said before like even you refer back to it yeah because sometimes it's just easier like we have so much information in our brain like that post that you put on instagram today was gold oh my god yeah how accurate was it it was a uh a woman who had just bags of shit and like just food and like mum stuff I think said on the tote bag and then it had all this writing around her you know with her to-do lists and her thoughts her thoughts like don't eat chocolate but then on her list was chocolate and like (laughs) (laughs) I was like this is me 
got like absolute gold. And, and, and that is, I mean, you posted it as like, this is your user, which is so true. And Mm -hmm. I think people forget that. And when you're so deep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like when you're so deep in a product too, I mean, case in point, you know, me at the moment, so deep into building something and sometimes you forget to come up for air and you do a user test and you kind of, you know, you get feedback that perhaps you weren't expecting (laughs) or you're like, how does that not make sense to you? Like, how are you confused about that? (laughs) But it's because you've been living and breathing this thing for so long. Yeah. And, and we forget that like these people, you know, and user testing is like a controlled environment. <laughs> the curse of knowledge, I remember. Yes. Talking about it um, in the past. And yeah, I'm the same. I think that's why a lot of uh, companies like bringing in uh, freelancers or contractors for mm-hmm. this kind of stuff because, um, and that's certainly the feedback I've received, is because it's fresh to us. Um, yes. I'm coming at it from a customer's perspective albeit like a little bit more knowledgeable because I've seen background information but still if if something doesn't make sense to me then oh my god it's not going to make sense to the everyday person who has you know no background information on this stuff um oh yeah absolutely absolutely we have a running joke at um gig super that like (laughs) sometimes you know, something will happen and I'll say to the guys, like, I hate that you have unplugged me from the matrix. (laughs) (laughs) Like I really, because, because once you are unplugged from the matrix, it is much harder for you to, to be in the shoes. Like, you know, you have to compose and you have to get, and you, you can put yourself in the shoes of the customer, but it's just harder. It's harder because yeah. you, like you said, you have the curse of knowledge. And so, yeah, sometimes, and sometimes they'll be like, do you want me to explain this to you? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not the person that needs to know that technical stuff. So like, don't explain that to me because if you explain that to me, it, it makes it forever ruins you. <laughs> well, if, first of all, you are like <laughs> filling me up with knowledge about superannuation <laughs> and like another important bit of knowledge like falls out of my head. <laughs> yes. Yes. It pushes out fun stuff. <laughs> yeah. uh, but also it makes it because my favorite thing to do is when they start, cause they're, they're just so, I mean, they're finance guys. Like it's, been Mm. their world forever and when they start talking to me and I'm like my favorite thing to do is go okay imagine that I don't know anything about what you just said can you explain it to me in a different way and gold like gold comes out of it yeah yeah that's something I put in my um comms guides when I do do them for clients is how would you explain your product or service to a 10 year old and that actually forms the basis of the elevator pitch that I put together for them because, you know, if you have 30 seconds to explain what you do, you're not going to use the technical jargon and you're not going to go into too much detail. You're going to give the very basic important stuff first. Yeah. Um, so we've gone on a tangent again, but that's always the best. <laughs> I think about the matrix a lot more than one person should though. Just <laughs> from what you said. 
Yes, but like also, I named my son Neo. Like, <laughs> like I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> oh my god, I didn't even think about that. Does he wear a long leather jacket? No, he's like seven. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he should. I always think about that scene with the um, the deja vu. Oh. All yes. the time, like the black cat. And they're like, oh my God, there's a glitch in the matrix. Oh, I say that all the time. <laughs> oh my God. That, yeah, that's gold. That is gold. Yeah, Cindy and I do that. Is it on Netflix? Yeah. I'm going to watch it again. I love it. Yeah, I need to watch, yeah, I need to watch the trilogy. It is gold. Yeah, I'll, yeah. <laughs> awesome movie. It's really like not a movie that I would consider myself to like normally like it's not it's out of my usual genres (laughs) oh is it yeah totally although I do throw like a little bit of a wild card in with um like Jurassic Park's my favorite movie in the whole world okay so I don't know but I'm normally like (laughs) comedy romantic oh yeah yeah look I used to watch a lot more stuff before I had kids and like a thousand different responsibilities (laughs) responsibilities <laughs> mm-hmm. now I'm like just give me rom-coms because all I want to do is shut my brain off and yes. just watch something that's going to make me happy at the end like I don't want to I don't want to be scared I don't want to be crying I don't, like I just want to be stupid good. happy yeah <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um, so what what would you say CX how does that fit in do you think UX writing is part of CX? And I guess you're a CX strategist, comm strategist. Would you call yourself a CX writer or more of a, the whole comms strategy side of things? I th- look, probably both. I guess it, I guess it depends on the, it depends on the place. Like Mm. Most of the places where I've done strategy, I've also had to do the writing because there wasn't really resources. Yeah. There was a couple of places where like they did have the resources and then, you know, I'd be able to put a style guide in place and then be able to like train the team and so on and so on. But for the most part, um, yeah, it's been, it's been both really. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think I, I've sort of, I mean, I, I'm not really branding myself as a consultant or anything, but the things that I've done and the, the things that I kind of get approached for, I mean, GigSoup is probably a classic example of a team that approached me and originally, you know, they were like, well, we need somebody to do the content for the app. And, and then like we talked about before, like you, you start doing you start with doing the content for the app and then you're like, okay, and now this is what this bigger picture looks like because you can't just have the content for the app done. Like you need everything else. You can't have one without the others because there's many others. Others, um, yeah. And you yeah. can, yeah, and you can't, you can't, I mean, you can, but it's a pretty terrible experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's my kind of philosophy as well. You know, if you get hired for the app, say I get hired to do in-app copy and that's pretty straightforward. Um, 
But then I'm like, well, what are you doing if someone emails you and asks this question? And what do you do if someone, you know, calls you? Like, what do you say? As And everything's got to align with that one or, you know, numerous messages that is across the business. Um, but how, what would you say, do you think CX and UX is completely, not completely, but separate to content strategy where it's focused on like governance and upkeep of um, digital assets, I guess, not content marketing, but, but like everything that exists. Everything, everything, all the things. Have a name for the same thing. Yeah. Uh, well, this is kind of where, and this is why I think a lot of product teams get put together usually without a writer mm. on the team because there are, and I guess like, you know, if you do think about, if you think about an app, the writing in terms of, the writing part compared to all the other assets, it, it seems it seems small because it's just not the same quantity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's buttons and there's nav and there's colors and there's like all this other stuff that designers have to do and that developers have to put together and stuff. And so it, you know, sometimes it's easy to see how, and especially when you've, especially with things like apps where you have to be so succinct and so precise and cut down Everything. such complex things. Yeah. Into yeah. three into words. And yeah. Yeah. It, you know, I think the quantity of the actual writing is, is not as massive. So, so, so because of that, I think, you know, being somebody who, being somebody who overlooks the comms, you can kind of, you, you can fit that in as your role mm. because, you, you know, a, a designer, like, sorry, I'm, I'm also thinking as I'm speaking, no. <laughs> um, but let's say you've got, okay, so you've got a, a graphic, you've, let's say your whole team is in-house and you've got to create all of the, like, all the above line stuff. Like you've got to do all the flyers and the promos and the bus covers and the, you know, bus covers. all that. <laughs> but well, oh, yeah, some people still brand buses. Like <laughs> some some create some wraps for my car. <laughs> that sound that you you say that, but like people not long that. ago, not <laughs> long ago, I was looking at like wraps for cars and you know having to have an opinion on that. So <laughs> it still happens. <laughs> I know. Put put it up on a billboard. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, and then you've got the UX designer who has to think about, has to figure out like the architecture and think about all of that and hold all. You, it's kind of two separate roles. It really is two yeah. separate roles. Whereas, yeah, look, again, it's, it's, a, it's a fairly sort of new discipline and I think it mm. depends on the company and stuff. But It's still getting um, figured out, I think. Yeah. And yeah, and I've only really got the experience to go by that I've had. And that is that, you know, you can, again, you can hold stuff to a point. You can um, own the comms. But then again, like, you came on board because 
eventually the capacity becomes too much. Yeah. And I think that's where the collaboration comes in because it's such a new discipline and because, you know, even internationally um, it's referred to as different things. Like if you see a role, if you're looking to join a team and I think you just have to look out for all these terms and see what they're classifying it as. And if it interests you, like I used to think that I was, Oh, content strategy is looking after the whole um, gamut, I guess, of um, all comms. But now on reflection, I'm thinking CX comms and UX writing is really where my strong suit would be, not the content strategy, which is the, um, you know, analyzing existing content and governance and um, archiving, that kind of stuff. Where yeah. That really interests me as much as brand copywriting, um, the CX and the UX stuff, I think that's where I'm kind of separating the two. Whereas I, th- I think maybe content design would be those things as well. Yeah. Like content yeah, I, designing is maybe the same as all the CX stuff, you know, interviewing your users, finding out what customers want and then filling the gaps, removing stuff that no longer serves them and making sure you're communicating with them at all the proper touch points when they need to see it. Does that make sense? Well, that's, I mean, that, that's their experience with you, right? Like that's all those touch points are the customer's experience with you. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So for the purpose maybe of our podcast, we'll separate them like that. CX is in line with content design, CX, UX, content design, and then content strategy can be its own little thing. And content marketing is something completely different as well. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, so completely many. different. Who would have thought, you know, 10 years ago, didn't even know this existed. I thought it was journalism marketing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, you know, there are a lot of places where it is still just journalism and marketing is still a dirty word. Yeah, 100%. You know, and I think... Uh, like I think in a lot of places I've been reading, I've been reading a lot of stuff lately about, you know, the short tenure of CMOs and how it's just shrinking and shrinking. And did you a read lot that of the- Godin article? Oh, yes. 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 Email about it. Yeah, I did. I did read that article and it made my blood boil. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, like, I think a lot of the time the customer experience ends up falling under the CMO and the CMO has got like all this other stuff they've got to do. And they've got to show the reason, I mean, the reason that the tenures are lower and lower is because you've got to show results, but with Mm -hmm. something like experience, like there are short, um, not short, there are quick wins for sure, but also, and experience takes time to build and it takes time yeah. to refine. It's a long and game. It is a long game. And yeah. if, even if you think about, like, if you think about the process that you've got to go through, like, first you've got to figure it out, then you have to hypothesize it, then you have to test it, 
then you have to iterate, then you have to build the thing, then you know, launch. (laughs) Then you have to launch and then you have to do the whole process again. But then you are trying to 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 fix bugs and Mm. and fix breakages and things, but then you're also you know, trying to put the customer feedback in and improve things on that. Like that takes so much time. Yeah. And depending on where you are and depending on how in the business, like if, if on top of that, um, departments are siloed, my God, like yeah, that is, that process is going to take even longer. Well, if you think about it, you know, where we work together, they did releases every 24 hours ish. They were doing yeah. it at one point. They were releasing new versions of the app every day. Um, and that was a company that had been around, you know, they weren't, they called themselves a startup sometimes, but they, they weren't anymore. They were no. quite established at that point. But we were doing changes all the time because, you know, you'd find that something wasn't working or you needed to update it or legal found something or, you know, customers were complaining or whatever. Um, yeah, it's just, you're never done in a UX CX role. I think, I think it's a very much an ongoing thing. Um, but yeah, CMOs are placed under a lot of pressure to deliver quick wins. It's a high pressure, high pressure job. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, I think, but but where I was going with that is that I, I think in, marketing and, and, and experience is merging. It, it's yeah. definitely merging together. It has to merge because you can't, you, you can't do one without the other and have a great and seamless experience. Like you just can't. So it's going to get harder and harder to, you know, for people who are trying to own marketing and then trying to also own experience and trying to do quick wins. like. That's a, that's a hard equation. It's a so hard do you equation. Think product separate still? Oh, because that's that, another thing. Because <laughs> like product teams kind of sometimes can own the experience as well. Well, quite often do, don't they? Like, yeah. But they don't do the um, acquisition of customers, though. I guess. Yeah, and that's why that that's why it's. That's why it's so um, hard to separate these things out. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got marketing who's trying to do acquisition and then you've got product who's trying to support that. So like, okay, cool. They've come through. Let's give them the experience. Then where does retention fall as well? You know, does retention fall with marketing or product? Yeah. That Like these teams cannot live in silos anymore. They just can't. (laughs) The project I'm working on at the moment has actually separated that out again into like even more, um, what would you call it? Flat hierarchy. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's, you know, different streams to product or marketing and they do cross over quite a bit. Um, oh, that's good. Like that's great. Yeah. It's very fluid, which I like. Um, yeah. Well, be talking to you know customer service one minute you could be talking to business development the other one marketing or product yeah it's quite interchangeable and that's awesome right like that I think that's 
I think that's where the future is going for, for, um, for businesses that are, that are going to do well. And, you know, there's research like Forrester and stuff like has put out research that, you know, companies think they're going to 80, I think it was like 80% of companies um, think that they are going to be differentiating themselves on the customer experience. Wow. That blows my mind too, right? Because (laughs) we're doing the right thing then. (laughs) We're in the right industry. In 10 years. (laughs) Yeah. But, but that, that does, I, yeah, I think, look, it'll get better like with, like with everything, but I think uh, people, you know, people's definitions and different businesses definitions of the experience. Like sometimes people say customer experience, but they're only talking about like a segment of the experience. Yeah. Or they'll refer to experience as like just the app. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's why I was struggling with like, what do I call myself? Because yes, I just want to be part of a team and then find out what they need once I'm there. (laughs) Like it's really hard to put yourself in a box. And I think we shouldn't do that by any means if we want to learn and grow. Like I don't want to just call myself a copywriter. That's why I changed what I refer to myself as because I find it very narrowing actually. (laughs) Um, Surprisingly. Yes. Yeah. Like I was being approached to do blog posts all the time and I was like, no, I don't do that. I don't do content marketing anymore. Um, you know, I'll do it when I was in an in-house role and that was part of my lead writer role or, you know, the encompassing CX um, position, but it's not what I want to do as a freelancer. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I'm not sure, was it you or was it somebody that I was having a conversation, like maybe it was recently, maybe about two or three weeks ago, I was having a conversation with somebody about, um, how, you know, like even now I'm thinking about eventually building out a team and I'm going to need somebody to write and to own comms and stuff. But mm. when I see just copywriter, I'm like, I, I don't know what you do. That doesn't help. Like that really doesn't help me. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Yeah. What type of copywriter? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I kind of, you know, like when I'm in the process of, I, I don't have time to go and dig up all your stuff that you do. Like, even if you send it to me, I want to know straight up, like, what mm-hmm. do you specialize in? Mm. Niching so and, important. Oh, n- n- episode coming up. Everybody yeah. is all about niching because yeah, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't agree with niching more really. Yeah. Uh, macros. Um, UX. Yeah. Oh, depends on, is it, is your support team sending them out? Yes. It's still UX. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we would provide it to the support team. Yes. Um, Chatbots. Chatbots. Oh. Tough, right? (laughs) I was was like, I don't know. (laughs) That's a really tough one. Mm. I'm going to put, I'm going to put that one under CX mm-hmm. because, because I think the world of chatbots is going 
in the direction of conversational marketing, mm-hmm. a term invented by drift, like was not a thing and case study for another time. Because um, hey? I've, thrown, I've thrown conversational experience out there. Oh, have you? Yeah, I have. But if they've invented it, I could have picked it up because I've looked at drift sites a couple of times. So maybe I did. But- their term is conversational marketing. You're talking about conversational experience. I think you're onto something. <laughs> yeah. Conversational CX and UX, I thought. Yes. Oh, that that is oh, I love the way that sounds. Yeah. TM. Um, <laughs> right now, you heard it here first. Um yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, I'm like just going to quickly plug Yanli in here. Yes. Because um, our Amazing. friend Aoife, who we're going to like hopefully bring on the show soon, talk yeah. about chatbots. She's got a lot to say about that. Um, I'm going to put that one under customer experience. Yeah. Because yeah, I agree. When we, when we do bring her on, like the way she does chatbot, it's, it's entertaining. And so I, UX, is a, UX writing is a lot about like getting – the person getting the user through fluidly and like you can have it you know you can inject personality of course but it's it's really like making it succinct whereas I think the broader customer experience allows for a bit more peak and delight moments yeah 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 and I kind of feel like if a chatbot doesn't delight you <laughs> yeah tell are you even a chatbot <laughs> yeah I think so too um, I've been listening to a couple of podcasts about chatbots and conversational design. Um, I think that's maybe the term that I have heard before. And it's so interesting. Like it's, it's really connected to UX writing whereby you're uh, predicting possible friction for a customer and you're kind of anticipating problems before they arise, which is what we do in UX writing with apps, especially, um, trying to anticipate like if, if someone feels funny about putting in their uh, personal details or whatever. Um, and I just, I find chatbots so interesting. So I'm really excited um, to have Aoife on because I think her mission as well is just incredible. Um, yes. Yeah. I'm super excited. Let's do it soon. Yeah. Um, okay. Next one is blog posts. Oh, CX. So you would say CX, not content marketing, or do you think content marketing oh. is under CX? There's the one that you like through, through, um, oh, yeah, oh, no, I stand corrected. Yeah. It does. I mean, it definitely falls under con. I think that if you think content marketing, one of the first things you think is blog posts. Yeah. But again, oh, you know, it's what is in our voice? It's yeah, it still has to, yeah, it still has to be in the same voice and the same tone and the same, you know, brand and all of that. Um, and what, you know, at the end of the day, like what isn't the customer experience that the customer has contact with? Mm. It's everything. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, you're right. That one does fall under content marketing for sure. Gotcha. So I thought this next part we could talk about just really quickly because I know we're coming up to time, but um, what someone can implement like right now to improve their customer experience. Um, so what what are your like... What are some of your thoughts on that? Okay. So my first thought, the simplest thing you can do is do an audit of what is going out to your customers right now, um, what that looks like and also the frequency. Um, 
so you you know you might pick up something that was um, being sent out twice in one day or something as an onboarding sequence um, or if you're like sending out a follow-up I don't know EDM on the same day that someone signs up like that's just uh, that's pretty full-on so you might identify stuff like that um, I find it's easy to just write it all down in a google sheet I just I love the google suite I'm totally open to them sponsoring us eventually one day. <laughs> I'm obsessed. Or even like draw it out on a storyboard, um, like on a whiteboard even, or use post-it notes. Like it's so whatever works. Um, and then you can, yeah, identify content gaps or double ups. And you can kind of take stock of that and be like, well, hey, this can be deleted. We need to fill something in here. Um, and then once you've done that, place every piece of comms with you know the headings of whatever you've got and like look at the tone of it um is it conveying what you stand for as a brand and what you want to portray out into your customers or you know to everyday people the public um and then you can create a comms guide for that um using consistent uh, consistency um and then apply that to all the remaining comms that you haven't deleted or, you know, you've added new ones in there. Is that too, yes. is that too in depth? <laughs> but that's, that no. would be the easiest and the best solution if, if you are stuck on time or resources. Yeah, absolutely. And the only thing that, <laughs> well, the only thing I would add to that is, if you have a bit of resources, get somebody who like does this and loves this to do it for you because they'll do it in half the time and yeah, less you know, stressful. <laughs> less yeah, way less stressful. Um, which you know I, I know is not helpful when when you're sort of um, what's it called bootstrapping and stuff. But yeah. but also you know you get to a point where you're like. I need to I need to invest in this because long term the foundations are going to be right. I think that's what it all comes down to. Setting up the right foundations and then DIY, you know. Yeah. And you'd be surprised like I think if someone say they were a solo business owner, they were just like very early startup phase, but they were sending out customer comms like it's great for you to see what is actually being sent to your customers. I think it brings you closer to them. Um, and I don't know, you kind of feel their pain points a little bit more, the empathy's there and you will come across more genuine as well because of that. Um, yeah. I think, yeah. Yeah. It's important to know what, what you're communicating to your customers at all times hundred percent. And and again, I think it also probably comes down to industry too, you know, like for, for one tiny tribe, like we make posters, like it's a pretty simple, we have a poster, I roll it up, I send it to you, you put it in a frame or you don't put it in a frame and you put it on your wall. Like it's fairly, it's fairly, it's a fairly low risk industry, mm. you know, but with something like the financial industry, like it gets a lot, it's a, it gets a lot trickier um, to sort of navigate those waters. So I think it, yeah, it would probably depend on, I mean, I'm sure there's other industries that are, you know, but if you're, if you, if you are building a business 
in an industry where it is sort of a little bit trickier, I, th- I do think it's worth investing in someone yeah. to help you, like to c- help you come in and set it up right. And they probably also, you know, if they've got the experience, like they bring that experience of what, what you need and what you need to think about too. Yeah. Like I'm, I mean, I'm not plugging us, no, <laughs> but also. I'm not trying to sell, sell our services. <laughs> We're both no. at the moment. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but that's exactly why I know that it is worth, it is worth investing in that because at least that person's going to like set your foundations upright and then you can, yeah. And go, go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to add to that CX or should we go to the, um, pop culture segment? Favorite section. (laughs) Oh my god i've had so many comments thank you everyone for commenting on your um love for obama as well i feel like oh. <laughs> i'm not the only creep out there and richard madden <laughs> gold <laughs> who am i crushing on this week no. who are you crushing on this week my husband no um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no not after you could hear him mashing his um like playstation in the episode last week you could hear him playing and i was just like oh my god i told you that this <laughs> you get so into oh. it um this week i have been watching a big little lies season two um have you watched have you read it or no you wouldn't i don't think you did um or watch the first season it's so good I have no idea what that is. is does it involve TV? Because yeah, so this is a t- this is a TV show. Um, it's on Foxtel. I just watched it on the Foxtel Now app. Okay. Um, because we have Foxtel because we have to have the sports programs. Of course you do. <laughs> of, course. of course you do. I love the cricket, which is on right now in front of me. Um, but season one is awesome. It's based on a book by Leanne Moriarty, which um, a few episodes ago I said I'd read um, Nine Perfect Strangers. And it's just like this was probably her big hit was Big Little Lies and um, Reese Witherspoon uh, produces it and, you know, Oprah's a fan and Nicole Kidman's in it. Um, I think Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon both are executive producers. But this oh. second season, Meryl Streep's in it and she's just the best. I love her so much. So that's who I'm she crushing on. Awesome. Meryl Streep. Oh, you're crushing on Meryl Streep. Awesome. I just, I think she's the best actress of our generation. She is pretty, she's pretty great. I, I love her rom-coms. Yes. She just, like, she just like is the best. I love her as a mom I love her as like a feminist I just I think she's amazing what's that one where she um her ex-husband is Alec Baldwin oh my god it's complicated that is I love that movie my husband and I it's like one of our favorite movies and I don't know why but I just I want to be her in that movie she has a bakery she has the best house ever she has a boyfriend and an ex-husband who left her for a hot chick and then wants her back. Like, come on, does it get better than that? I know. She's the coolest. I'm kidding. That's terrible. 
<laughs> what do you consume? Oh, what have I consumed? Yeah. Um, oh, look, not too much this week, mostly because I've been working on work stuff and then also I um, have uh, having a mid-year sale this week if anybody... Ooh. If anybody is interested in One Tiny Tribe prints, there is 20, 20% off wow, until, cool. yeah, well, it's, it's a, I have not done a sale in over a year. Oh my God. So people get on this. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So until like the 30th at midnight, which is Sunday, this coming Sunday, and the code is EOFY19. 20% off store-wide. <laughs> so that's a big decount because like your stuff's pretty affordable as it is. I know. I know. But I felt like I owed it to the people. Like it, you know, comes once a year. Yeah. I, yeah. Last year I didn't do a, um, what's it called? A boxing. I didn't do it a boxing. Yeah. I haven't done a sale in a while. So I was like, you know what? Now's a good time. And like, I got to do some tax stuff. So yeah, <laughs> let's sort this Awesome. I think that's everything. Rate, review, and subscribe. And that's it. Episode five done and dusted. Uh, as Laura said, please rate, review, and subscribe. As always, send us your feedback. And if you want to um, get in touch with either of us, you can do so via Instagram or um email either of us laura's email is hello at lauraluck.com.au and my email is branka with a k at gigsuper.com.au until next time